your home for K-State Athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Well, howdy, partners. It's funny, when you come back from Texas, you've got an accent all of a sudden. <laughs> an, an old friend of Wyatt's and mine grew up in Texas and always laughed about how quickly hers came back. Heather Kennedy. Oh, sure. Yeah, used to laugh about that. Oh, yeah. I was in Oklahoma. Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> what is the Oklahoma accent? It's a little it's Texas-ish, cool. but yeah. not quite as much, probably. Not as much y'all to it, I don't think. But yeah, Oklahoma wishes they were Texas, right? Well, I don't know about that part. But Got the, rep- maybe the southern that, reputation. That's what the Texans will tell you. I think there's something. In, I think they're kind of right. I think they're kind of right. Welcome to Wildcat Insider. I'm back. It's been forever since I've been on the show live. I want to thank Troy, who's running the board today, for uh, holding down the fort, pun intended, uh, with the show and with the with the uh, sports department and covering Manhattan High Hoops and just about everything else I missed out on. Other than public address announcing, I've been told by multiple people I should probably just stay away. Is that since right? Since I've been gone. Things have been good. The Cats are 3-0. and Yeah, that's absolutely right. Don't take it personally, Mitch. With a couple of uh, right. <laughs> couple of home victories, plus they, uh, you know, they, they got over that <clears> – <throat> Oh, that issue of just trying to go win games on the road where they lost five straight in Big 12 play in various locations, and then they got one finally at Oklahoma State, which was, to be quite honest with you, entering the second half of the season, other than Lawrence, was the one I was really dreading. Because that was a fight in the first game. Second game comes around. It's another fight, but Cats were able to pull it away in the second half. And um, it's great to see now that the Cats have won now – 22 games they are looking to be as of right now slotted when you look at bracketology as a two seed in the NCAA tournament you're looking at potentially a three seed in the uh, big 12 tournament if it were to start today boy it makes you quickly forget about the recent woes that happened over the last couple of weeks when you 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 bounce back and you now you're playing great basketball at the time you need to because you're getting to the end of the regular season when you have to start playing every day away from Bramlage Coliseum. But the last couple of weeks have been very fun. Everybody in the league has had their moments of being down for a week. Even Kansas, Texas, Baylor, Kansas State, maybe just at different times. But those teams have been the most consistent in winning and in particular finding a way to win a few games on the road. K-State won early in that terrific week in early January at Texas at Baylor, and then five straight. They were really, really focused in on winning the game in Stillwater, and they knew it would be a rock fight, as, as you said, because there was so much on the line for OSU, too. It was senior day. They needed to win to keep their postseason hopes alive, so on and so forth, and that continues tonight as they play host to Baylor this evening. To me, in talking about the win, it comes down to what I'll describe today as the two T's. One is toughness, and two was the technical foul on Jerome Tang. With just around 11 minutes to go, K-State the rest of the way, 
outscored OSU 24 to 13. And they were, I believe, the, the tougher team down the stretch. You know, I look at what they did in the second half. They shot 52%. They made five of 11 threes. And in the second half at the foul line, they were nine of 10. <laughs> you can find a way. To, and, and then, I mean, you got a big three from Keontae Johnson. You got a big three from Cam Carter. You got another from Ish Masood. So it really was, uh, well, let's just say it this way. The guys enjoyed their ice cream after that victory. <laughs> it's it's it's. I'm glad to hear that they got their dessert finally. Yeah, after it, it was long overdue, wasn't it? Yeah, because the last yeah. road win, right, was Baylor. Was Baylor? Yeah. So that was over. That was over a month ago. Yeah, that'd have been. Uh, let's see, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Well, it'd have been the, like the 11th or 12th of of January, I think, if it was. By the way, Mitch Fortner with Hall of Fame voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, Cats beat. Uh, Oklahoma State 73-68. to I was watching at home, and Cats were once again down at the break. They were trailing just by two points, and then the Cats, well, they got down eight, and then they surged back. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned the, the technical foul, and I felt like that might have been the argument of the game. Was that good timing of picking up the techno- technical foul? The story tells us later on as we saw the game unfold, yeah, it was probably be a pretty good time to pick up the technical foul, but it's like right after the Cats got – a bucket, you felt maybe the, the, the you know the tide was starting to turn a little bit. Was K-State getting that momentum back? And then, boop, teed up was Drum Tang. But he was very happy about it, and I, I thought it was a good time Well, if I, you're going to get it. I think if you look at just the first minute or so after the tee, everybody's probably quite concerned, and I get it, because they go to the line, they have some success there, they get the ball back, so on and so forth, and you're fighting uphill again. But over the course of the rest of the game, and I think that was my point a moment ago, I do think it changed the way the game was called to a degree. I don't know this. I'd have to go back and look at the, at the video of the game. But I think the game was called a little more different from that point on. So I'm sure, I don't want to speak for Coach Tang in any way and wouldn't do that. <clears throat> Excuse me. But with that said, I think he felt like because <laughs> it seemed like there were, there was a stretch there where there was what I'll describe as a couple of two or three ticky-tacks and then ones where there was a boatload of contact with nothing. Got to be a little more consistent than that, and I think they were after that. So I, there was purpose. He was upset. There's no question about that. But I think there was purpose in getting after him a little bit and trying to make his point, and fortunately it worked out. Doesn't always work that way, but it did in this case. Another thing I really liked was that you know Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson they both had their three point stroke going, mm-hmm. even though you know Marquise did take a number of those deep threes, and but he wasn't Keese. hitting them. That's, that's Marquise. That, that's exactly who he is. Yes, for sure. That I mean, him taking those did not surprise me. Yeah. But it, it, was, it wasn't just him. Like it was in crunch time situations. That maybe not. Maybe crunch time isn't the best way to explain it. But like. You know, Casey got a couple of transition threes, and Cam Carter, when he hit his three from that right side wing, was at a very pivotal time. That put Casey, I believe, up two scores at the time. And then you're at that point, you're like feeling, okay, Casey now is in very, in much, very control of this game. And Marquise Noel hit three threes. Keontae Johnson was also very clutch in his three point shooting. And man, I don't know if it was just that angle that Gallagher Iba has with. 
where the camera is at, basically just looking straight on top of you. Kind yeah. of looked like a line drive shot. But those Keontae Johnson threes look so smooth. Yeah. And every time – it's like – I'm at the point now where it's like every time he shoots the ball – and he took some tough shots. Sure he did. But every time, if he can get a shot up, and it's not like completely contested where he's completely shooting over hands, you feel like it's got a really good chance of going in. Yeah. That's called a good stroke. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he's one of those guys that can get off a shot, even with some duress, and get it pretty close to where it needs to be to give it a chance. And he's got... Really strong hands, but soft hands too. And I think that combination is pretty good for him. I think at the next level, people would probably wonder, does he handle it well enough? But most of the other things, he he does pretty well. Um, And finding a shot. And I think in this three-game winning streak, as opposed to the back-to-back losses at Tech and at Oklahoma, I think you see K-State with the with the floor spread a little bit better, uh, ball reversal better, screening is better, and that results, I guess, leads into results of, of better better shooting. <laughs> because I mentioned that K-State shoots 52% in the second half. You better mention with that, too, that Oklahoma State shot just 38.5%, and they went 2 of 12 from 3 in the second half. K-State played very good defense, I thought, down the stretch. There was one moment, there, one moment in particular that I can remember that really made me jump out of my seat. I literally jumped out of my seat because I thought it was a huge play. It was an, it was a great play, especially for who set it up. Tyke Green, right before the half, you know, gets in the way of a lob on an inbounds play from the sideline. Yep, balls loose. Desi, fastest player on the floor. I would, I would bet because he is very fast with the basketball. He's got to be one of the fastest in the Big Twelve. Goes to the hoop and scores with the left hand in a very tough shot. I was like, man, if Desi's making those kind of plays, K-State's got a great shot. Plus, I also want to mention that I felt like in the last couple of games, maybe in the last three games, K-State's been very good in transition of taking care of the basketball, not making unnecessary passes or like making too many passes or the dangerous pass. Just try to go up and score. And if you think the guy that's trailing the play on a two-on-one break has a better opportunity, make the bounce pass, and let's not get too crazy with it. It's just been, if this makes sense, on a fast break, just more settled down, more calm, and just go make the play. Try to make the tough shot. You have a good chance of getting fouled if you just go up strong and try to make the shot. K-State had 16 turnovers in the game, eight in each half. But I get what you're saying. It seemed like they were cleaner in the second half. Part of that, I think, is probably making shots and, and the way they were defending. And the, the game was kind of trending their way, where in the first half it was a little bit more back and forth, right? I mean, you'd probably agree with that, I would think. I thought OSU, going just 5 of 23 from 3, they went through a stretch there early in the second half where that's kind of what they were shooting for a pretty good little stretch to get K-State back into it. Then they started to attack again. Part of that, of course, was when Caleb Boone was on the bench with foul trouble. And, you know, Cissé's a good shot blocker, but he's not the offensive threat that Caleb is, right? I mean, I think think you'd agree with that too. Mm-hmm. So I think that helped K-State in that stretch too. How purple was Gallagher-Iba 
Well, in our corner, behind to my right and up, you would have been surprised at all of the purple. I mean, it was incredible. Um, and if you weren't impressed by the number, you would be impressed by the loudness. They were going – I mean, they, Coach Tang said this, and I'm sure people thought, I don't know about that, but I believe it to be so. You could hear the KSU chant loud enough that their music during the break, they turned it up, yep. which was really cool. Well, and yep. I don't, it's like 30 seconds left of the game. For you fans <laughs> that were there that maybe didn't watch it back, your KSU chant was loud and clear Yeah, it was. on TV. Uh-huh. Loud and clear. Yeah. And I – you know, guys on Twitter, those in the media, they got there early and watched the fans filing. It was like purple right away. Mm-hmm. And they were already giving us kind of the heads up. This is going to be a very purple crowd um, in gallagher Iba Arena. So I'm glad to hear. I mean, if, you, if you've been watching Oklahoma State games this year, you know that tickets are for sale. They, they still have some tickets available you can go pick up. So I'm glad the purple that did show up took advantage of that. I, a friend that went to the game got a ticket for 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's a pretty good deal. I met a young couple after the game, uh, after we were actually off the air, um, uh, from Wichita. They had been to the game at midweek here against Baylor and then just decided to drive down to Stillwater and grab a ticket if they could, and, and they had a ball. I just talked to them for a couple of minutes, but the point is, is think about that. They go from, you know, a game on Tuesday night in Manhattan to Stillwater on Saturday, and they were so excited about K-State winning that game and, and the way they did it, and uh, I think they had a great time. So um, this has been, in in every way, such a special time. I mean, I thought about this flying home, watching those kids have so much fun, you know, to be 22-7 and seven and 10-6 and six at this point, nine quad one wins, ranked 11th. I mean... It's been an amazing story, no question about it. Let's take our first break here on Wildcat Insider. When we come back, I do want to touch on the Baylor win. That was the midweek game this past week, and the Cats win by 10, even though they gave up 11 threes from Baylor. You never imagine giving up 11 threes and still beating a team by 10. <laughs> uh, that it tells you where K-State did well, and that was inside the arc, making some twos, especially in the second half. But we'll see her from Jerome Tang, an abbreviated version of his press conference after the Oklahoma State game, up next on Wildcat Insider. You're listening to Wildcat Insider. It is Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Troy Coverdale is with us as well. 537-1350 is our number. Very special treat coming up in hour number two. We are going to hear from former K-State quarterback, now Miami Dolphin, Skylar Thompson. We will talk about his first year in the NFL, the Cats winning the Big 12 championship, his relationship with Dan Marino, his rookie dinner. It's all coming up in hour number two, starting at 510. I've already recorded it, kind of a spoiler with that, but it, I, I have to put it in two segments. It was such a good interview. Plus, he also has a night with Skylar Thompson coming up at Goolsby's this Saturday. Nice. To raise uh, money for the Johnson Cancer Research Center. Wonderful individual. Yeah. So happy for him in, in terms of how his first year went. Can't wait to hear what you got with him there. Uh, we're going to hear from Coach Tang here in just a moment. His comments after the win on Saturday at Oklahoma State. I uh, really liked his opening uh, statement in that press conference, but we'll play an abbreviated version of that. Did want to touch on, though, the Baylor game. Um, had to go back and watch the highlights. My mind gets a little bit fuzzy, uh, but I guess I just didn't realize during the game about how well K-State dominated inside in this contest. 
where Baylor hits 11 threes in the game. I said it right before the break. Like, if you told me Baylor makes 11 threes in this game, but you still win by 10, I'm like, what are you smoking? <laughs> How is that possible? Yeah. You, you know, like Baylor hits so many threes, and yet you win by 10 points? I mean, K-State really attacked inside. They didn't need a great day from three. They weren't great was K-State, but inside they were. They were 14 to 17 from two in the second half. Yeah, that's the real key. They were in attack mode from the get-go and, and outscored Baylor in the paint 42-16. to 16. That's impressive. Baylor getting 9, 10, 11 threes, in all honesty, is about kind of normal. With those three guards, uh, fortunately for K-State, two of those three guys played well, but Adam Flagler had one of the poorest games of his career. He played nearly 39 minutes, went 1 for 13, 0 for 6, um, just really, really struggled. Had four points in the ballgame. That's, that's so unlike him because he's such a consistent guy. But if Baylor has a weakness, I think it's probably more on the inside. Jonathan Chamwachachua being back helps. And in this game, he helped him. He had 11 points and 12 rebounds. He is just a freak of an athlete. <laughs> so I think it's a pretty impressive win by 10 uh, home road or, or otherwise, this one uh, at Bramlage. But K-State was was the better team most of the night. Yeah, Jonathan Chalmachach, I mean, he gives Baylor just so much more of an effort when it comes to the rebounding, but not just that. I mean, offensive rebounds. He was kind of tearing up there for a little bit. Oh, yeah. On the offensive, offensive glass, and Baylor is starting to get those second-chance points. But I, I want to go to Marquise Noel for just a moment because he also, you know, from the field – did struggle. He was 10 of 10 from the free throw line, which, by the way, uh, Mason Vogt did a great job of keeping up with this stat. And that was that Marquise at one point, well, until he missed one in the Oklahoma State game, had made 32 consecutive free throws. That is correct. Now, that was still like like 16 away from the record. Still had some work to do, but he still just saw it from the free throw line. Go find anybody else in the league that's made 32 in a row. Yeah. <laughs> He's the best. You know... Of all the numbers that Marquise Noel still leads the Big 12 in, one of them is free throw percentage. Yes. And yeah, he has been solid all year long. But I thought Marquise was phenomenal passing the basketball. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. Well, keep in mind, he wore it after the back-to-back losses on the road. He wasn't good for the most part like he'd been most of the year. He turned the ball over, forced a lot of things. I think as a group, not just Keys here, but as a group, they talked more about, hey, we're good in transition. We can't get away from it. But let's hit singles and doubles, not try for the grand slam every time. And that was what the way Coach Tang put it, meaning make good decisions. If you don't have it when you get to the rim, bring it out, start over. And I, I thought it helped him a lot. And I think we've talked about this quite a bit, but the the – the fact that he had a 10-assist, zero-turnover game, just the fourth Big 12 player ever to do that, dating back to 96-97. And as a matter of fact, just the 12th player in all of college basketball that had 10 or more with zero turnovers. Wow. So it was quite a night. I, did, I hadn't heard that stat about just yeah. four players in history have had, in yeah. Big 12 history, 10-assist, yeah. zero turnovers. I'd love to actually know the, the other three. Be well, very curious. To yeah, know. I I have that at at work. I'll 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 send it to you. But uh, got to give Tom Gilbert a lot of credit for that. Between he and Stats Inc., he I think he did a lot of work after that game on kind of finding some things. I know Tim Jankovic had a fourteen assist, one turnover game. I think okay. at one point. But but again, ten plus and zero. 
uh, you ju- you just didn't find very many. Um, I mean, fourteen and one is spectacular. <laughs> Don't misunderstand. Would would, it, would Pierre Jackson? Would he come into play there as one I, of them? I don't think he was in that group of names that hmm. – I mean, he probably Baylor. had some several good – you know, but but possibly. Um, Doug Gottlieb? Now that, you know, now that you think – now that you say that, maybe he was. I'd hate to say – don't take back what I said there because he, he may have been in that grouping. Well, I mean, speaking of Pierre Jackson, uh, you know, Marquise Noel I think is now 22nd all-time in Big 12 history for assists in a season – and he's now at 220. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next game against Oklahoma, you know, if he were to get five, he'll jump to like number 18. And one of the seasons he will pass is of Pierre Jackson, who's one of the best assist guys in Big 12 history. Oh, sure. And he had two top 20 seasons while he was at Baylor. He's like a recent example of a really good passer oh, who yeah. did have his, you know, a few turnovers here and there, like Marquise Noel has, mm-hmm. but was a, a really, really good passer. Um, I feel like there was one more thing. Oh, yeah. One more thing I wanted to bring up. Sandstorm. <laughs> you like uh, that, huh? It has been taking to another level, and I hope it never changes. Because I wasn't there. I saw the videos. Like a lot of a lot of the media, they pulled their phones out and got a great angle of it because, you know, it's from the south end. Mm-hmm. And you see, like, the, the student section had the phones swaying back and forth as we got the build up. To this, you know, when 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 Sandstorm picks up again, and then everybody starts swaying back and forth. Like I never saw the build up to the lights. I was like, how did that all start? Did just like some students start doing? It? I was like, everybody kind of got the idea. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. And then the lights get dimmed down, and it, it's even more insane. I just saw the videos. I bet it was way better in person. And so I'm like, man, that that can't go away. <laughs> that has to be a forever thing. Because it was phenomenal. It, it's, it's like one of those things to me. It's like, all right, that's the kind of thing when it comes to the culture, the atmosphere, the home, field, uh, home court advantage that a team can have. Sure. That starts like your reputation that gets around across the country. It's like, okay, K-State does that during Sandstorm when the team is playing well. I kind of want to see that in person. Mm-hmm. I got to see that environment. That just adds more to you know the um, – the reputation, sure, of K State, it's it's only good. There's there are so many things that I think Coach Tang has embraced with K State basketball in the short time that he has been here. But I had to chuckle at him after that game. We taped television at noon the next day, and I was asking him about it before we taped, and he said, "You know, I you you hear it kind of in the background, but I don't, you know, talking to the players, you know, you it just it it's just a non-factor." This game was not a non-factor for him because when the lights went out, he's going, what What happened? What just happened? I mean, I think it took him aback a little bit, and then he realized, you know, <laughs> hey. <laughs> now I'm know. starting to picture that, yeah, and that is I, very I mean, funny. Well, you, well, especially when, when all of your focus is getting your exactly. message to the guys. Yes, you're not paying attention. They only attention. have so, yeah. much, so much time there. And then when, when we were taping, he said – that was such a cool thing from his perspective that he has sent it to everybody that they're talking to. Every great player in the country that they're recruiting got a copy of that. Kind of tells you a lot. Yeah. I, I hope it happens Wednesday night. <laughs> I, I think I, it probably could happen. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, we also you know turn out the lights for you know the starting lineup. You know, yeah. uh, That's but, happening more and more around college basketball yeah. ev- everywhere we go. 
But if they just want to save it for Sandstorm, that's fantastic as well. Sure. I'm happy about yeah. it. Well, that reminds me of, of a wrestler that used to uh, walk out with just a lantern. He had the gimmick of like this, you know, lo- Southern Louisiana <laughs> bio guy and he, he only worked, walked out with a lantern, but the whole arena was dark. And then just kind of transitioned to, all right, everybody now turns on their lights and it's amazing sight. Huh. It was super cool to watch. Now that if case K State kind of you know bringing that into play, dim the lights, we can do it during Sandstorm. I'm just telling you, I, I, I th- that was the biggest highlight of the game for me. I think the other <laughs> thing that he talked about um, was that it's one thing for the students to do it, but it seemed to be all the way around the the building. Yeah, um, it, it's harder for me to notice back behind, but uh, it it was a pretty impressive sight. Uh, I, I thought it was really pretty neat myself. I hope it's forever, guys. <laughs> I missed it. I missed it this past week. I need to see it uh, on Wednesday. But, of course, you know, the Cats got to play well to make it happen. There for you sure. go. Make, go on a big run, second half, absolutely. I think we'll definitely see it again. Uh, before I, I, I wanted to play Jerome Tang. Reminded myself, I'm proud of myself, that I remembered. Uh, this is from after the Oklahoma State game. I loved his opening comment, abbreviated version from his press conference after beating the Cowboys. On Saturday, I hope that um, everyone who watched today saw their heart out there, and uh, they they just didn't quit. We told them there was going to be adversity, and um, you had to look adversity in the face and smile, and then slap the crap out of it. And uh, and that was our quote, and and they did. And I was so proud of them. And it's just like life, man, just throws things at you and, um, that you don't expect, and and. It was crazy. It's like, y'all, y'all, don't y'all don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know who's sick. You don't know whose family member passed away. You don't, you don't know any of those things. You just watch them on the floor and make a judgment about did they play well or didn't they play well. And for all the stuff that they face, uh, to be able to continually come out here and give that kind of an effort and believe in each other, and we call it crazy faith, man, to have that kind of crazy faith in each other um, and in the staff, uh, I'm just I'm blessed beyond men. And secondly, I'd just like to thank our fans. Uh, there was a time out there where our fans were so loud that they had to crank the music up, otherwise you'd have heard KSU through the arena. And so that, that was so cool. And so, I, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm super blessed. This is a dream come true to, to, to be doing what I'm doing with the people I'm doing it with and c- couldn't, couldn't be more thankful. Fortunate are you at the end of the game to have Marquise Noel just because of his free throw shooting at this point? Man, I'm fortunate for 40 minutes a game to have Marquise Noel out there. All right, that's that's like, and he, I mean, what he missed a minute and a, a half of of game time, and we we're trying to figure out a way to get him rest. But yeah, we're we're fortunate to have him. But I mean, I think Ish is like 95% too. So, and, and Cam Carter makes big free throws. That's just what he does. And so, um, yeah, I, I'm very very blessed. On the technical file. Uh, that I was too demonstrative. That was I didn't say anything. I made sure the radio. My mom heard that I didn't say nothing. That that would have got me a tech. I I was demonstrative. I was demonstrative on purpose. I it felt like there was some tic tac calls that went their way that resulted in and ones, and there was some physical plays that didn't go our way, um, that didn't result in what I wanted. And then from that point on, it was 24 to 13 the score. And so I believe that it inspired our guys to play a, a little bit harder, to, to fight a little harder, and I felt like it impacted the way the refs called the game. Coach, just how satisfying is it to finally win away from home once again? Oh, man, anytime you win, it's, it's satisfying. And um, I, I know they're fired up because we're going to Marble Slab, so um, 
you know, road dubs, you get dessert. So here we go. How does Marquise lead in, you know, the huddle, late game situations? What does he say to the guys? What does he do to be a leader? Um, well, first of all, he's vocal and he's very, he's very assured of himself with what he says. Like it's, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to get it done, you know? And, um, and then he asks questions, like if I'm, we're explaining something, he will ask a question that maybe one of the other guys might have at the time, but he's, he's sharp enough to pick up that they may not want to ask that question, and he asks the right questions at the right time. But uh, more importantly, man, he, he, he steps out there and he lays it on the line, man. You know, I mean, like win or lose, he's, he's not afraid of the moment. And I think the guys rally around that. You guys have obviously come back in games before, but to be able to do it on the road um, against a team that's quality defensively, what's that say about the toughness that you guys have been able to establish this season? That we, we have some tough dudes. They, they believe in each other, and they're, they're willing to do all the little things to help you execute what you have to do down the stretch. And, um, you, know, I, I, you know, what I like, winning on the road, like it's, that's to me the sign of a tough team. Right, the ability to win on the road, and uh, knowing that moving forward, you know we got a couple more games, but then the Big 12 tournament's neutral site, the NCAA tournament is neutral site. You know you're not gonna have the octagon of doom behind you, so you got to be able to win these kind of games, and this is gonna help put some co- more confidence into them. All right, Wyatt. After listening to that, I have one question to ask you. Going to the demonstrative comment. Yeah, that's the way he, the word he used to explain. The way he acted to pick up the technical foul, but that was right in front of you, wasn't it? It was. It w- is that the and way? And he you was quite it? demonstrative, okay. actually. I, I think I could even. I, I think I'm accurate in saying, I felt like I saw hands up into the air and then come down, and maybe even a stomp of the foot. He he was frustrated before that, but that call right that was made right prior to the technical. Um, it went from a little flame like this on top of a candle to a forest fire like that. Yeah. I mean, he he was he was upset, <laughs> and he made it perfectly clear on the radio post game that he it was demonstrative action and not anything that he said. I'm sure you're not too worried about having the crowd mic <laughs> set up nice and loud when you have a, your head coach in front of you. You know, upset, right? Right. Not well, too worried about it. Generally speaking, he. You know, he doesn't. How do I how I, how do I explain this? He probably, f- generally speaking, pays less attention to the officiating than any coach that I've worked with in probably mm. the last twenty five years. Okay. But when he does have a problem, he's very good about saying it, and then generally speaking, m- makes his point, and then he's done. A lot of coaches that I've worked with, and and I get it that everybody's a little bit different. You know, some guys will write it out. You know, until it, like as an example, there was a stretch there where in the start of the second half, the fouls were seven to three, and K State had seven, Oklahoma State had three, and they they're in the bonus with fourteen fourteen to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can't let that go. You know, you've got to you've got to make a stand and say, "Come on, man." And and I, I'm just being blunt and honest here. That technical foul changed the way the game was called, and it helped K State. Part of that was on the Cats getting tougher and and playing really well, and getting that 
I mean, they fed off of that. I'm convinced of it. I just wanted to note that Jerome Tang is not going to be pulling a uh, a, a friend uh, at Iowa oh, anytime soon. Fred McCaffrey. My goodness. <laughs> the stare down? The stare down with Kelly Pfeiffer. Yeah. It worked because Iowa's taking – what a weekend for Iowa, i got to say real quick. Sure. Uh, because Caitlin Clark with that game winner yesterday, uh, and then um, – Iowa was down, what, 13 the last minute and a half and came back I, to win it in overtime? Yeah. But, yes, it was, an incre- was funny. They were, it was an 11-point game with a minute to go. Yeah. That's the amazing part. I, I will say this about that official. Yes. For not teeing him up for that, I thought that that showed a lot of professionalism and mental toughness on his part. Kelly's a solid official. Yeah. I mean, he, he didn't blink either. No. And finally, Fran kind of turned away. But that, yeah, that was interesting video. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching that. I watched it a couple times, actually. <laughs> Still coming up, uh, hour number two. A lot of it's going to be my conversation, a recorded interview with former K-State quarterback Skylar Thompson on his first year in the NFL. But when we come back, why am I going to tackle what to me is the, uh, the question of the week? Who should be the Big 12 player of the year? That's coming up next. It's Hour 1 of Wildcat Insider. Hour 2 will feature former Cat quarterback, now Miami Dolphin, Skylar Thompson. How much did he have to pay for his rookie dinner? It's coming up in Hour 2. Mitch Fortner, Wyatt Thompson, Troy Coverdale. I I think this is going to be – I kind of typically have like a question of the week. It's not like I make a whole week out of it. I will ask like the guests that come on the show from, you know, like – Derek Young, Mason Voth, Kellis Robinette, you know, kind of whoever comes on that week, they'll all kind of get one of the same question. And the question is this week, because I think K State is obviously extremely involved in this question on who should be the Big 12 player of the year. There are multiple teams with candidates. Sure. And I think actually the tougher question is who should be first team all Big 12. That, yeah. That's a whole that's a whole different hour. Yeah. I had a discussion. A, I had a conversation with some of the coaches on the trip, and I was asking about, would you like to see, because of all of the influx of talent now with the portal and all of that kind of stuff, would you like to see not only like first, second, third team, and then honorable mention, but an all-newcomer team and an all-freshman team? And every single person I asked said, absolutely. As many as there are in this league, why would you not? Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was interesting. But we could probably argue all day on who the five or so guys are going to be on that first team. And it will be, I think, um, you could probably argue eight, nine, ten different guys. It, it's, it's that, you know, I think you have a couple of two or three locks. In my personal opinion, I think Jalen Wilson will be a lock. I think Marquise will be a lock. Uh, probably Marcus Carr of Texas will be a lock. After that, now you start getting into that, how's it going to play? Um, player of the year-wise, I think a lot of coaches will vote on, and, and Coach Tang said this too, on the radio show Thursday night of last week at JP's that usually the player of the year is going to be from the team that wins the league. So with that in mind, I, I think you, you, Jalen Wilson right now with KU in first place leads the league in scoring and in rebounding. 
but you could certainly make an argument for a couple of other guys, including Marquise Noel. So, I, when I've gone over the the numbers, I I you know go to Big12Sports.com and I just click on conference only stats. Yep. Because I mean that's what we're basing this off of, right? Conference games. You know, Big Twelve versus Big Twelve doesn't matter. Who, you know, Big Twelve is you know the toughest conference in America. And I had said two weeks into the season, the Big Twelve season, that I think Marquise Noel is the best player in the Big Twelve. And through two weeks, he he absolutely was. Sure, he was lights out scoring. His you know assist turnover was extremely good. Um, and I'm like. I think he's kind of the front runner right now. I think the numbers show that, and he has greatly improved from last year, in my opinion. And yet, you know, we're now two games away from the Big Twelve season being over, and probably a week from today, we'll find out who is the Big Twelve Player of the Year. And I still stand by what I said two weeks into the Big Twelve schedule: Marquise Noel is the best player in the Big Twelve, and. I'm trying to be as unbiased as I possibly can. <laughs> I understand. I've, I've watched all ten of these teams play, mm-hmm. and I have I've gone through the numbers. You, know, you you have to look into the numbers, and I just don't think points and rebounds tell you the whole story. It doesn't. To me, when it comes to a skill level, assists and steals is more impressive than rebounds. Well, I've looked at this, but just to give you a quick summation here of those top two guys. Jalen, as I mentioned, leads the league in scoring and rebounding in all games. All games this season. Not just Big 12, but all games played. He's 8th in the league in field goal percentage. He's 12th in free throw percentage. And I won't go into all of the others, but he's in the top 15 in rebounding, offensive rebounding, defensive rebounding, those kind of things. But here's where the argument comes in for Marquise in Big 12-only games. First in the league at scoring at 19.75. First in the league in assists with seven. First in free throw percentage at 92.2. First in the league in steals at 2.56. Second in the league in three percentage at 33.9. First in the league in three pointers made per game at 2.63. He is fifth in assist to turnovers at 1.67. First in minutes at 38. He's almost 39 minutes a game. And he's tied for first in in uh, the league in conference Actually, Keontae also has three double-doubles in conference play, but he's tied for first with with three double-doubles in conference play. That is astonishing when you look at it from that perspective. Yeah, and those that want to argue against Marquise Noel, you just mentioned all the things he still leads the Big 12 in. That's been all year long. Yep. Some of those numbers were inflated because of just you know the insane game that took place in Austin earlier this year in January. The Baylor game was very high scoring. It went to overtime. But even through the Big 12 schedule, the lull that K-State ran into losing five straight on the road in Big 12 play and losing four of five and now rebounding and winning three straight, Marquise has stayed atop of the leaderboard in most of those statistics. Mm -hmm. His assist to turnover is one that has dropped. But he is still the leader in the Big 12 in assists. The assist to turnover, he's still fifth in the Big 12. Yeah. And, I mean, his, his assist to turnover is still 1.7. Well, <laughs> he's 5'6 and 160 pounds, and he has two 30-point games, 10 20-point games, and seven 10-assist games. 
K-State is 10 and 6 in the league. I'm not a mathematician, but that's 16 games. He's had 10 assists or more in seven of those. Yeah. Incredible season. Yeah. yeah. Yes, he does have way too many turnovers. Well, but but also if if we're going to be fair and and laud him for all of the number ones across there in all those league uh, again, you're playing against the best of the best. Yeah. You're going to ha- your turnover and assist to turnover ratio is going to go down in league play. For sure. Fact of life. Just sure. what it is. And, and again, there are others that would argue other players in the league, you know, wh- whether it's a Keontae George or, you know, whoever it might be, Marcus Carr at Texas, uh, you know, those types of guys. But I really think it probably will come down to the two that we've talked about, Jalen Wilson and, and Marquise Noel. And, and I think a lot of the television guys, you know, just kind of throw it at Jalen because KU's been so dominant in the conference over the course of time. I would just like to have them all look at these numbers and crunch them a little bit harder than I think that they do. That's all I would ask. Well, and even go back to what I said earlier about how I'm more impressed with assists and steals over rebound. I don't want to take away from Jalen Wilson. Like he is still a fantastic player. No question. We're not saying he's not. And he, you know, I think he is one of the very best players in college basketball. But, I really do. But when it comes to assists and steals, like Marquise Noel. Is one of the it's not not just the Big Twelve. He is one of the best in those categories in the entire country. Mm-hmm. In the entire country, for most of this year, there's only been two or three guys statistically that's been better than Marquise Noel in assists across the country, and none of them are Power Five players or Power Six mm-hmm. players in in college basketball. But his steals are two and a half a game in Big Twelve play. Yeah. Second best is is Lipsy from Iowa State at two point three, and then nobody else is above two. Right. So his defensive play shouldn't go ignored as well. It it his pickpocket steals and how sneaky he can be. That's also something he's really improved on. The way he does it without fouling. He he. I'll he, remind everybody he was first team All Big Twelve defensively last year. Yes, he was, and he's better now. There's yeah. there's no doubt in my mind that Marquise Noel should be the guy. Should be the guy for Big 12 Player of the Year. If if Jalen Wilson gets it, it's going to make me sick. <laughs> it's it, it is. I get it. I get it. You're preaching to the choir, Ferner. Skylar Thompson coming up next. <laughs> <laughs>